join me? Please welcome the IC motherfucking team. He's Dropkick Dingo. And he's DJ Sugarsack. And this is the Insane Clown Podcast. Welcome back, friends. I hope you enjoyed episode one. We talked about Carnival of Carnage, of course, because that was the natural place to start. Of course. And I had a hell of a good time doing it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I sounded loud as hell, but, you know, it was still fun to make. That's okay. We got got a couple things we got to talk about. But uh, before we jump into that, we are the Insane Clown Podcast. I am DJ Sugarsack, and I'm going to sit here and discuss with my homeboy dropkick dingo all about one of our favorite musical acts performance artists clowns just clowns yeah the clowns the insane clown posse we love the insane clown posse absolutely and so we are an all insane clown posse podcast and that's what we do here uh and we are super stoked to be doing it absolutely we're glad you're here as well glad you're here joining us for the ride and don't forget if you like the show you know, drop us an email, tweet at us, or whatever people say when they're talking about using Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Do a do a thing. Drop us a line in Sing Clown Podcast Show at gmail.com or tweet at us at insane C L W N P D C S T Insane Clown Podcast on Twitter. That's how you can get a hold of us. Uh, we will read your email, we will read your tweets. And if you're not too much of a dickhead, we might talk about it on air. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like like we said before, you can't really force us to do anything. But, you know, never say never. Exactly. We can be amenable to some things. Sometimes. Um, sometimes. Every so often. But uh, like I was saying, we had a couple things uh, from episode one. Now, uh, the audio, you know, we're, we're going to make sure that's, that's as good as it can be. And that's a that's always that's a constant battle for uh, any podcast. First episode, you know, we gotta we still gotta work the kinks out. You know what I'm saying? That's it. We're working through it. You know, but uh, don't worry, we'll get everything right. We'll keep the production value as high as we possibly can. DJ Sugar Sack runs a tight ship on the production end. Damn right he does. So um, that's that's a thing we'll be making sure we do. And I I. I fucked something up in episode one. Oh, what'd you fuck up? I mistakenly called Shaggy's third solo album Fuck the Fucking Fuck Off. Okay. But the name is actually Fuck the Fuck Off Motherfucker. Oh, so then to get one level above, it's Fuck the Fucking Fuck Off Motherfucker. I think that has to be the next step. It's really... That's all you could go to. Yeah, I mean, and then that's that's it's just it's poetry. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, yeah, be absolutely beautiful. There was there was also a mistake I made last week uh, when we were talking about never had it made. Uh, when I said that Violent J was talking about getting stabbed in the neck, he was not. Uh, he was talking about getting stabbed in the head. My uh, point still stands about that song, though. Well, I think getting one lyric wrong especially because the neck is like pretty much the head anyway yeah at at least part of it yes i give you a lot more leeway because i fucked up the whole album title (laughs) bad sugar sack bad (laughs) 
Uh, well, you know, we all make mistakes. Again, first first episode. It was the first episode. Look, we're an insane clown podcast. It's gonna happen. It, it's going to happen a lot. But that's Shit, probably we're the insane clown podcast. So fuck, you know. <laughs> that is true. So uh this week we figured uh shit, there's no better place to trolley on into than Ringmaster. Absolutely. And okay. I know there's gonna be some fucking people that are gonna say, Why aren't you covering the goddamn EPs? We're gonna get to them. Yeah, in due time, in due time. Like we, we gotta get, we gotta get to the main attractions first, then we'll get to the sideshows, because especially the EPs, especially starting from the first one, they sound more like unfinished ideas than full releases. Well, my kind of idea, and I think you're right about that, is that they're like half baked, and that's why they're EPs, and they exactly. weren't full Joker's cards, but um. My idea is that maybe after we do Riddle Box, then we'll try and tackle the EPs because they don't really do that after Great Malenko comes out. That is true. That is true. I don't think Malenko has an EP unless you want to count like the Christmas album. Uh, or like Forgotten Freshness. Or Forgotten there Freshness. There's a couple things from Malenko in there. But yeah, from that point forward on the subsequent Joker's cards and all other albums, there wasn't really in between projects except for like. The Tempest had the storm or the calm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and then the Tempest, you know. The Jekyll brothers had, you know, the pendulum, but I mean, those were CDs that were given out with comic books that you had to collect and not so much a single release on its own. And then Bizarre and Bizarre. Right. But right. even but then, Bizarre and Bizarre albums. Yeah, they're albums. They're not EPs. And the pendulum, I think, is is pretty close to the kind of EP they did in those first three albums. It's closer to that because you can tell that some of it's like some recycled stuff from earlier times. It's kind of like a midway point between one of those EPs and Forgotten Freshness. Yeah. I do like Pendulum, though, because even though it doesn't have a theme or anything, there's a lot of cool shit happening. You know what I mean? (laughs) There is. There is. I mean, nowhere else could you hear a story about Violent J fucking a toxic waste barrel. Oh, what was her name? Rodney Carroll? Uh, Roxy Carroll. You know, his dick got all puffy like a Fago two liter. It was smoking. It was like flaking like an onion. He he had skifalophagus, no doubt. That always just made me think of uh, fucking snuffleupagus. <laughs> Which I guess if your dick looks like Snuffleupagus, there's a problem. Oh, there's a huge fucking problem. I mean, take a picture, because yes, but (laughs) also see a doctor. Yes, yes. This isn't medical advice. I'm just saying if that was my shit, I'd get to a fucking doctor. Though you probably should take medical advice from us, because we're very smart people. But, and this is a big but, asterisk here. Uh, our names are Dropkick Dingo and DJ Sugar Sack, so take that as it will. Yes, yes. We are very smart, but we're also very stupid. So, you know. I I I concur. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's 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 talk about what we need to talk about. Let's yeah, get let's, right into the shit. Let's parlay back on into uh being an all insane clown posse podcast. Well, I mean that. I mean, technically, 
you know, we were talking about Violent J having Skifalophagus. So, I mean, that does count. We're not veering off too much, but yeah, I think <laughs> we'll we'll loop back around to the EPs before we get to the the second half of the first deck of Joker's cards. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because this this period of time, this early in their career, obviously the material is much more limited. Because after Malenko really blows up, then they're able to do pretty much anything they want to musically. Yeah, and this is old Dingo getting ahead of himself. But uh, I I, want to get into this later. But in a lot of these songs, they're kind of slowly trying to build up the lure. And I mean slowly, but they're still, you know, they're still like there's one song on here that takes place during the actual carnival, you know. You're getting out of yourself, Dingo. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just me getting ahead of myself. But yeah, kind of limited because again, it's their second actual full length LP. Well, the but- only general note I had right up top was that there's kind of really no actual. This really breaks from pretty much all the rest of them in that there's no traditional intro. There's re- there's no traditional intro, but Wax Museum like counts as the intro slash first song, which again, I'm going to get into later on because it's obvious they really wanted a tight, even track count because there are songs here that are very short, like only one verse long, and then the same hook a few times until it just ends. Well, I think part of that, uh, let me uh, just put my, my Rick impression on for a sec uh i think part of that is that a lot of the sequencing of this album and at that time had to do with cassettes and i think there was a whole thing about how heckles and macabre works into one side is heckles one side is macabre you know what i'm talking about i got you i got you that was like a side b side but there was like you know it, it worked into the whole thing i guess um let's see uh we'll just get into it wax museum yeah. uh well this- first first off there, there are some other things I want to discuss, especially before we get into the tracks. Uh, uh, gotta mention the elephant in the room. Uh, the cover is full of gang references. Uh, no, I don't. I don't really know too much about this. Before they were insane clown posse, they were called Inner City Posse, and I guess they were some sort of gang. I don't really know much about that. Maybe you know a little bit more than I do. I, eh, not not a crazy amount. You know, let's just say. Top hat, color scheme, hand gestures being waved by the ringmaster himself. Both have gang references to different gangs. And now personally, like I had this t-shirt when I was growing up. I could not wear it because I lived in a neighborhood where if I wore it, I would be harassed on a constant basis. So yeah, this album certainly not just in uh visuals but in a lot of ways has a lot of gang imagery yes and again i don't really know much about that i mean i guess they were some sort of gang i don't really know much about that they they make it very clear oh it a few a few years later it would be a little more tongue-in-cheek than they made it out in this album but you know it's they they in one song they literally say yeah yeah and um i honestly don't know too much about it i don't really know much about that well 
And uh, let's let's get into some other trivia that I found. This was the first release to branch out of Michigan. Where oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, went they, nationwide, but still Southwest down. We went nationwide, still Southwest down. Yep, and uh, they they weren't touring like they usually do, but they would stop at places, you know, like you know Chicago, probably like Cleveland or yeah, you know, I imagine other the, Midwest, the Midwest pretty much. They would yeah, do, you know, maybe St. Louis, but that's probably about as far as they would go. More than likely, I mean, they probably did like Hollywood once, and that was after saving up a lot of money. Yeah, and maybe maybe New York, maybe New York, and. This uh, was they also wouldn't, they wouldn't be doing Florida or Nashville or oh no they wouldn't Phoenix be none of that shit no <laughs> they're they're not gonna sing they're not gonna sing songs about hating the rebel flag in the South. Well, it's funny because you know not but a few years after this they would be touring in the Bible Belt and beyond. That, but yeah. at this time they were still a regional act. Yes. Because that was really still kind of a thing at that time because it was pre-internet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you knew, you knew. And if you didn't know, then you were just out of the loop. Well, maybe you'd see a flyer. That's the thing. You'd maybe see yeah. a flyer and be like, what the fuck? Rapping clowns? The fuck is an insane clown posse? Yeah, right. <laughs> that that's that was it, man, before the internet. So yeah, they were they were pretty confined to A, Detroit, but then really, yeah. really the Midwest. And, and I think that's that's why us as being from the Midwest, kind of that shit was just around more. Yeah, ex and I was just about to say, like the first time I saw this CD at a record store, it was the original Psychopathic release, and this had to be a little bit after the Great Malenko came out. Great Malenko came out. You could find that. You could find Ringmaster, and you could find Riddlebox. And I don't know if you can find Carnival of Carnage, but when I saw Ringmaster, it was the original psychopathic release. We're talking Comic Sans font, the the pictures in the back, everything. But I didn't have any money, so I didn't buy it. The next time I was looking for it, it was the Island release. With the foil on the cover, right? With the foil on the cover and the the advisory sticker on it. And, you know, the, the different font that's not Comic Sans because it wasn't designed at a Staples, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, I'm about to, to fucking blow your mind here. That's the CD I have of Ringmaster, is that version. Really? Yeah, I, I, obviously, as I said in the first episode, I don't have the booklet or oh, the jewel box anymore. But that the is actual a crime. CD, and I know it's that one because it's the one that has the four Ringmasters going around Yeah. It. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's marked as that one is. And you know what? I do have at my folks place, which thankfully my mom didn't get rid of, is an OG original fucking ringmaster cassette with the gold foil on the tape. Oh shit. Yeah. And here's here's something interesting that you should check out then. Cause here's a bit of trivia that's really really just bad the people who manufactured the actual tapes and cds they had produced like 10 or twenty thousand that had misprints and to make up for that they gave icp like 10 to twenty thousand more so there's a 50 50 chance that you might have one that has a misprint interesting i'll have to go over to my folks place and uh try to dig up my collection of stuff. Cause I think at this point at my place, I might have 
some room freed up for a little bit of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. So, especially given that we're doing this little shindig now. So, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, this was certified gold. I saw that, and yes. you know what? I think that's kind of a thing we're gonna see, especially for these albums prior to the streaming age. Is yeah, it, with with ICP, is that they are like as much as they got shit on for so long, and um, you know, I gotta say, as someone who's been you know, a fucking diehard fan for over 20 years now. It's really great that at this point they've gone from being like a joke and a shit on band all the way to now being like a legacy respected fucking like absolutely band group. I you mean, know what I mean? I mean, there are some people, there are still some people who shit on them, you know, of course, and they're always going to have haters, yeah. but like in general, like the music industry, you know, the music industry knows who they are. And the people who want to get into the music industry know who they are. Like the way that uh, I saw the Chris Hansen interview and Jay was talking about how Post Malone invited him backstage and stuff. Oh, shit. And like Jay was saying that like he turned him down at first because he's like, ah, I know he's busy and he's just being polite or whatever. And then his, his like management came back over and was like, no, no, no. He really wants to meet you. <laughs> who wouldn't want to meet Violent Jay? I fucking would, dude. Did like, you? If, if I was doing some sort of show and I and I'm told he's in the audience, I'd be like, "Yo, is there a way I can like say what's up?" Yeah, and then he'd probably take a picture of you, with you without his that's makeup on. That's what I'm on. saying. That's what I'm saying. And that that's that's a fun little that's a nice little memento right there. Yeah. Have you ever seen the first chicken hunting video? I have. And I actually was thinking about it. I have the Psychopathics the videos DVD. Yeah. So we'll have to have a, a a watch party and do an episode on that. Oh, yes. Very much. Because not only does it have the videos, it also has the uh, the bumpers with the intros. Oh, nice. Very so, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it includes the original chicken hunting video, which is obviously done on a very low budget. And they hated it. They fucking well, hated it. Well, it's no surprise. They're driving around a fucking van being chased by like... Basically, like, how many clown masks can we get for 30 bucks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the entire video. It's like, it's it's a it's a reverse POV shot of them driving. And then it's like exterior shots of like this fucking basically an ice cream truck. And then you just like, keep seeing them running with baseball bats. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. the entire video while the song plays. And occasionally they cut back to them driving in the truck, like rapping, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And then it's, sometimes you see them in like strobe lights, which is kind of weird because that doesn't, you know, I don't know. It, it was weird. I think, I think that was like contractually obligated for all hip hop videos in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, especially when it was filmed. Yeah, like the early 90s. It, it was either it had to have strobe light and be like an exterior setting or it had to be on a stage with breakdancing. <laughs> yeah yeah and i would have i would have killed to see shaggy bust some moves oh my god that's one thing you know we've heard the story about them trying to do synchronized dance moves early on yeah i will tell you there's a lot of shit they sell you know at the gathering at auctions and rare memorabilia but the real piece that i would literally pay money for is a video of that performance where they're trying to do fucking synchronized dance moves. You've never seen that video? 
shit, it's out there? There's a video of them, like, Ringmaster era. It's good that you brought this up. It segues into this. There's a video of them backstage in the Ringmaster era painting their faces up and getting ready. And you see them do some, like, dumbass kid and play synchronized dance moves. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have seen that. Yeah. I'm saying the actual performance on stage when they are trying to do, like, to actually perform a synchronized dance. I got you. I got you. Because that is, like, yeah, that's them goofing off, you know, backstage or whatever, but them actually doing it as a performance, that's what I want to fucking see. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see, I want to see the first show where Fago was thrown. I think that was the same show. We know, well, we know that at least looking at, because I mean, Violent J back in 1997, I mean, I'm assuming that's where you're uh, basing that from was the interview from 97. He was, who knows what the truth is, but at least from what I read, it seems that in the Ringmaster era, they started bringing Fago on stage just as like a cool little thing. And then they had people in the front crowd heckling them. So Violent J threw one. And that's just how it began. That's pretty amazing. I love that. It could And yeah, that could have been a performance where they were doing synchronized dancing. It really could have. The thing is, who the fuck would heckle the insane clown posse? It was 1994, 1993, you know, 1994 or 1993. It's like local cats, you know, they don't have too much going on yet. They got a really small following, you know. Okay, but, but think about this, Dingo. You and I have hung out at some places with some weird performance art sometimes, right? That is now, very true, yes. Picture two guys come up in makeup and they're like going to do music. How the fuck are you going to say anything to You know what I mean? (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. You got these dudes with the, you got these dudes with this, you know, tragedy and comedy pattern going on with their face paint. And they're going to start rapping to you about chopping bigots heads off. I, I could see how there would definitely be nothing that would have to be said by the crowd. How could you say anything? Like, to me, I'm like, how would you just not be speechless and be like, I don't even know what the fuck I just saw. Because that's, <laughs> as a fucking, as a fucking huge fan who's seen them probably more than 10 times. Yeah. I still feel that way when I see them. I'm like, I'm really not sure what the fuck I've witnessed. I, I was singing along and shit, I, but I'm still not quite sure still I comprehend. stupefied. Yeah, like, it, it's kind of the same way both of us felt the first time we saw them. Like, what the actual fuck am I looking at? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a trip to see them live. So, to see a pre-Fago performance would be interesting. Yeah. And I'm not saying a no-Fago performance, because I know they've done that a couple times. Yeah. For various reasons, but that's not really what I'm talking about, because that's not... The, it's like just before that was a thing that they did. Yeah, yeah, like... Pre pre the era because the post Fago performance without Fago that's just not fun. Like where's the? F- I mean yes, the Insane Clown Posse is on stage. They're playing the hits, but you're not soaking f- wet and literally tasting red pop on your tongue. I just realized their tour managers have probably had the hardest gigs of their entire careers with them. Why do you think that? How many venues have they been banned from because of Fago? That is true. 
That is very true. Because, like, here's the thing. Picture trying to negotiate a contract, and it's, like, stipulated in the rider and the contract. There's, like, a, a fucking Fago clause. <laughs> And it's like, it's like the tour managers on the phone with the venue and they're like, okay, so we're set for uh, the 17th then. Uh, Yeah, looks good. Except for um, on page 14 here, section F, article four says Fago. It it stipulates that um, the, the act includes spraying soda in the... In the main floor of the venue, is this correct? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a standard clause on our contracts. <laughs> um, Are you guys I, at least going to clean it up? No, that's not in the contract. Uh, do you see a fucking cleanup clause? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's your job, not mine. What do you guys do? You guys clean up after fucking Coldplay? <laughs> <laughs> or do you expect fucking Chris Martin to do his own cleaning? I just can't even imagine. That's good. So yeah, I'm sure. And then probably the reason they've been banned from all those venues now thinking about that is they were like, is their tour manager was like, oh yeah, okay, no problem. That totally makes sense. Yeah, we won't have them spray soda. And then they get to the venue for load in. And they're loading in three pallets of Fago, and the venue's like, whoa, hey, whoa, what the fuck is going on? And they're like, fucking Jay's just like, hey, man, we're going to rock the fuck out. Personal consumption. And the tour manager's like, on a phone, like, okay, uh, all right, we're going to need that attorney on retainer. I think we may be in slight contract violation. I'm not sure if this got redlined. Uh, <laughs> Damages will be paid. Let's just put it that way. I like, uh, yeah, they probably got sued in small claims court for like the hourly wages for the fucking cleanup staff. <laughs> they gotta be, they gotta pay a specific staff on that day. Just to clean up and just like de-sugar everything. Right. Yeah. They like they had to pay fucking Roy with the push broom overtime that week. <laughs> hey, listen, when I joined this venue, I didn't sign up for this shit. Nah, Shut I cleaned, up, Roy. I, I cleaned up for the Rolling Stones. I cleaned up for uh ricky martin but i ain't never seen no shit like this <laughs> shut up roy it's your job can get i at least get a broom with some bristles on it fuck you <laughs> figure it out <laughs> all right let's get back to the ringmaster all right inside booklet you ready i'm very ready all right this is what the inside booklet says the day has come the time of reckoning who will perish in the dreaded hell and whose soul will be content within the pleasures of heaven looking past the words spoken with a wicked tongue and looking past the evil deeds done in one's life but instead looking into the conscience of man by the way he spells conscience wrong we'll get into that afterwards what is the real evil that seems to plague mankind who are the real demons that walk this earth 
Is it those whose minds have become devious because of a lifetime spent inside of a caged hell? Or is it those who invented this caged hell years ago and done nothing to help destroy it? Who's guilty? Frankenstein or the doctor that created him? The sword or the man who has slain with it? Which is the real evil? The man who kills another for food? Or the man who does not share his food to avoid the killing? While you sit in judgment of a criminal, you may very well be the one who's guilty. Guilty of greed, deception, and hate. Those who are rejected at the gates of heaven shall be dragged off into the pits of hell, viciously torn from this life by the non-living, the phantoms of the dead. These beasts take the form of a demented carnival that a wicked, dark circus led by one. One who is created by your own evil ways. One who will judge your very fate. The one known only as... The Now, a couple notes. As I said, he used the wrong word of conscience. You said he he spelled it wrong. And as soon as you said that, I just pictured in my head, (laughs) K-O-N-S-H-U-S. Not like that. No, no. He used the kind of conscience where you're awake and not like, you know, conscience. Ah, okay. And uh, who's guilty, Frankenstein or the doctor who created him? Frankenstein was the doctor. (laughs) you've got a good point there Frankenstein although I gotta be fair I don't see Joe being much of a Mary Shelley guy I mean with all the obscure horror movies they've obviously you know sampled over the years come on that's true that's true especially on this album alone but yeah, that 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 those are the two things that irked me. All right. Pick much dingo. All right, call me pedantic. I'm just saying it irked uh, yeah, me. Yeah, shallow and pedantic. <laughs> it irked me. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, I I understand, but also we're we're talking about a shit 20 21 year old Jay here. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And he didn't graduate from high school. He barely went to high school. Uh, yeah, yeah. So again, I don't, I don't think he's much of a Mary Shelley cat. You know what I mean? Maybe, but it, it's only like one album away where they start bringing Edgar Allan Poe into it. True, but I think those stories get retold more f- faithfully than Frankenstein. Oh, most most definitely. But so most it's, definitely, it's easier to work those in as a faithful thing because the way you've consumed it as a story probably was a pretty faithful retelling in some other form. Versus Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster kind of shows up in a lot of places, and it's just Frankenstein. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the but book if, is the book is really good though. The book absolutely is, yes, classic. The book is great, and the movie, the the Robert De Niro movie is very faithful to that. And um, the part where they do put it on the Ritz. (laughs) That's young Frankenstein. Yeah, I was fucking with you. All right. All right. Tracks. (laughs) Let's get to the tracks, Zach. Come on. Let's do the thing. Let's do it. Uh, Wax Museum. You got any notes on this? All right. Uh, Like I said before, it's really starting to 
get into the mythos, how it works. Like, it seems like the Joker's card, just as a general concept, is a card in a tarot deck, which I found kind of interesting. It makes sense. And I, I wrote here, the, the story here in Wax Museum really does cement the Joker card narrative. Yeah. So I think, you know, yeah. And like the idea of the decks and how everything plays together is interesting. Yes. And of course, one cannot ignore Shaggy 2 Dope screaming at the top of his lungs in the background of Violent J's rapping. I don't know if I even caught that. Yeah, realistic. It's it's very faint. It's very faint, but you could hear him at the top of his lungs because, of course, right after the song leads right into "Let's go, motherfuckers!" Right? Yeah. So, um, I wrote here. I I really love this idea they're exploring of like a wax museum full of souls. Yeah, that's really dope. That's that is a really interesting concept. And like, yeah, like that's part of like how they're really cementing that carnival Joker's cards, like the the real basis of what they laid from Carnival of Carnage. You visit the wax, you visit the wax museum to see some of the souls that the carnival have uh, taken, really. Thousands of dead souls covered in wax. Now, you, you had been talking about the background stuff. I like uh, the background vocal that's just going, heckles and macabre, heckles and macabre. Yeah. Yep. And the fact that it says macabre, <laughs> that's they every gr- other. It's spaced out, so it's every other. It's like he couldn't decide how to pronounce it. They didn't graduate from high school, Sack. I, uh, I'm aware. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm giving them credit because they were like, hey, if we use both, we can't be wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's like roulette. If you bet on everything, you don't lose. <laughs> <laughs> and and some really some more great scratching by Tudo. Very much so. The production you're really starting to get a feel for how the production is going to be thanks to Mikey Clark who is definitely definitely finding his style with the Insane Clown Posse. Putting in some more like, you know, carnival feeling music into the production to really tie it all together. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, it sounds like, uh, like a pipe organ, just kind of in in a lot of places throughout this album, but especially up here up front. And it really, um, gives it more of a, like the carousel type of band organ type of feel, which is really dope. Yeah. Speaking of carousels. Yeah. Right up next. And that's a, that's a, Another one of those trademark insane clown podcast seamless transitions. Trademark copyright patent pending. It's ours. Uh, <laughs> murder go round. I'm not going to get into the whole. You know, I'm not going to get into the main subject of the song because I think we've covered it enough already. If if you heard earlier in the podcast, you know what I'm talking about. Especially if you heard the song. However, the one thing I really love about this song is the concept. Where the murder go round sounds like it's a merry go round, and a person is tied onto one of the horses or chained onto one of the horses. The ride starts, and they're shot at and thrown bottles at while the ride is moving, like some shit out of Escape from LA. Yeah, it's pretty wicked, man. And I love how that fits in. They really are doing a great job. That's one of the things I really love about this album 
is that they really work that carnival feel like the carnival of the themes they can yeah like not just a carnival this is a carnival of death you're going to die here unless you work there unless you work there which in 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 that case you're probably already dead yeah Uh, at least you didn't die there i don't know uh (laughs) did you have any notes yeah yeah um you get to the end this it's it's really we're talking about retellings of stories and this one you know of course is the classic live by the sword die by the sword yeah you know it's that's it's simple as that which is fitting given uh what we had talked about thematically with this album up at the top yeah you know i think that's a, a good thing if for what they worked into this song thematically i think that's really uh the best point they could make yes Yes. Um, I, and I liked the hook. How you gonna fuck with a wicked clown? clown you know? Murder go round. This is also the first time where we hear the term juggalo. Yeah. Because up to now, it's just been juggla. And Violent J at one point in time straight up, straight up says, how you gonna fuck with the juggala J-A-A? And then later on, he starts just kind of going off his, you know, tangents, and he goes, Jokero, Juggalo. Nobody fucks with a Jokero, Juggalo. And that's the first time we hear the term Juggalo in its, you know, full, you know, pronunciation. Although, there we although go. I'm really hoping it doesn't come up on Beverly Kills. If it does, then I'm going to look stupid. <laughs> But you know what? No, that this doesn't count, though. Remember, this doesn't fucking count. Fucking this. The this is the first time it's ever been heard. Uh, uh, uh LP. Remember? Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'll change so, that. Last thing. Yeah. Last this, thing. Go ahead. Red ass chicken neck. <laughs> A red what? Neck chicken what? Red ass chicken neck like yours, man. <laughs> like mine. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's another thing. That's another thing we're gonna see a lot of in this album. Shaggy two dope screaming. Yeah, there's there's a fuck ton of two dope screaming in here. Uh, there's a lot of it. And I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people are constantly screaming while performing. Nah, it's uh, you know, dynamic range is good. <laughs> dynamic yes. range is good. Yes, dynamic. And- Dynamic range is good, yes. And, you know, he also does a fair amount of screaming. I'm going to pull a dingo and get a little ahead of myself, but he does a fair amount of screaming about his balls, <laughs> which is really more Jay's thing up to this point. Although he was more about scratching his balls specifically. Shaggy's just anything about his balls. Yeah. No, no. This this is the album where we learn how droopy his balls are. Yeah. And I think we're, we're going to get to that. Yeah. But of course, fucking chicken hunting. <laughs> good lord and the original which is let's face it a little little odd it's it's very odd like up to it this takes you it takes you out the carnival right away yeah yeah it up puts to this you point in this weird ice cream truck <laughs> 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 driving around hunting down rednecks <laughs> the ice cream truck is the escape vehicle and the weirdest part is they don't ever appear to actually leave the inner city. Yeah. On their hunt. They're not like on some fucking highway out in the middle of nowhere. 
where you know <laughs> well i don't know he's you know later in the song he's talking about hitting switches in a drop top low right tractor which is a lot to unpack in one line because one what the fuck is that gonna look like and two how is the top of a tractor plow going to retract very carefully <laughs> yeah because yeah, they're made out of metal <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, maybe he got the only convertible tractor plow. <laughs> that happened to be a fucking lowrider as well. Let's talk about a lowrider tractor for a second. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that's like a lot to unpack in one line. It's like, dude, how high were you while writing this song? Probably not. I don't think he smoked weed till later. Hmm. Do you think so? He said in interviews he didn't smoke weed until, like, way later, like uh, Shangri-La. Oh, shit, that is late. <laughs> yeah, like, he didn't start smoking weed till then. Because remember, that's also, like, when he gained a bunch of weight, and it was like, yeah, I started smoking weed, and then you know how that goes. He lost all of it. Like, afterwards. It was before yeah. Shangri-La, like, Dark Lotus. Ah, wow. Okay, yeah, so just mostly, you know, sticking to the mad dog and the bruise that make him dream about the Wizard of Oz. Right, yeah. yeah. I don't think he even began his NyQuil habit by this point. Oh, damn. Yeah, that, that does come up a lot. Uh, later on, that's like a thing. That is very much a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Violent J, he really, he really likes NyQuil. <laughs> he, he likes NyQuil so much. When he gets a genie, that's one of the things he wishes for. Not money so that I could buy NyQuil. No, NyQuil. I don't know if I've ever wanted to sleep that much. <laughs> I mean, hey, to each their own, I guess. It's over the counter. So, you know. Hey, no judgment. I'm just saying I can't identify. Yeah. Like, yeah. if I get a pack of NyQuil, I'm straight for probably two years. Yeah, straight up. It's the same reason why I don't get like people get like crazy addicted to like Benadryl. It's like, do you want to be that disoriented all day? Well, like, yeah, those types of drugs aren't even like that fun recreationally. No, they're not. You know, NyQuil, it's NyQuil if you stay up, you kind of maybe feel a little buzz, but it's not like a fun buzz. Yeah. You're not like, yeah, let's go fucking party. <laughs> it's like, it's a sad buzz. It's like a sitting up alone on a laptop late at night buzz. Like, that's not a good one. No, that's that's a depressing buzz. Yeah, you're like watching. That's like, it, at that time, too, that'd be like sitting up late at night watching fucking ShamWow infomercial. Like, <laughs> by yourself with no lights on. Like, that's a fucking sad buzz right there. Speaking of sad buzzes, next song is Mr. Johnson's Head about a teacher who got a really deep buzz. <laughs> he got a, he got a buzz cut that went so far. <laughs> just just clean right off. Can I get can I get about a foot and a half taken off? <laughs> All right, so in this song, Violent J's character, who is obviously a teenager, he's also obviously very schizophrenic. 
because he's hearing shit that's not happening. He's hearing voices that aren't there. And it also gets into, you know, mental health again with the couplet I wish somebody, somebody knew. Which is typically, you know, when you're really just like in a deep psychosis, you're not thinking straight. And you're kind of, you know, thinking to yourself, well, you know, somebody could tell me that I'm wrong, but nobody's here. So fuck it. I'm going to just keep going. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about the lyricism and how it plays into the story and the mental health aspect. One line that really stood out to me, sweaters on my forehead. Yeah. Which is great lyricism and really paints a picture for you. Very much so. This was also, this was a very well-written song on Jay's part. And, Absolutely. Uh, the section about dying in class. If I died in class, they would probably say they knew me. Or they wouldn't care. They wouldn't even move. A dead body rotten in the back of the room. When I heard that, that took me back to how the fuck I felt when I was a kid in school. Yeah. That was like very, that that section in particular was like very identifiable to me when I was in like fucking middle school. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, you know, middle school, high school, they could really relate to that. Yeah. Just like the, the feeling of like being such an outcast and like having the, the, the pressures of teenage life. And I was kind of wondering too, like if this song was written a few years later, would it have been a school shooting song? That is a very interesting question, because he's not aiming to kill any of the, well, I mean, at least on this album, he's not aim- aiming to kill any of the classmates. He just wants to kill one specific teacher. And if you feel bad that he killed said teacher, uh, don't worry, because uh, he was hanging a rebel flag in his classroom. So fuck him automatically. Absolutely. And I, I do love in the one section where the substitutes like America, the land of the free, the land of opportunity. And he's, the kid's like, Mr. Johnson already taught us this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't he ever coming back? Well, just like the idea of like what they're covering is just like this fucking horse shit that, of course the fucking rebel flag teacher wouldn't have said shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jerk off fucking nothing. Yeah. Um, and then of course, fuck Washington, Benjamin. It really paints a picture of what violent J saw high school as and why he dropped out so early because he didn't feel like he was getting in it. He probably went to a really shitty high school that, just kind of taught him from a book that was written decades before. So he was like, fuck this. I'm going to just get a job or, you know, start stealing shit or something. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It it definitely like puts you in the headspace of where he was at, what his idea of what going to school was, where there's like, yeah, what the fuck? There's no practical application. And it comes up a couple times later on, too. Oh, yes. Especially um, on Malenko. Yeah, yeah. Where the idea of, like, you know, this shit's not going to have any practical application. And, you know, it really, it's kind of the truth to most of the yeah, stuff most, up until the mid, you know, the upperclassmen years of high school. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, junior and uh, freshman and sophomore year 
all you're just learning is the fucking curriculum. You're not going to remember it. It's not going to help you in any way. I mean, yes, it's going to keep you, you know, it's like learn your history or you're doomed to repeat it. But at the same time, they're rewriting the history books all the fucking time. But also like, um, you, yeah, also if you have like electives at that time, you know, you're at a shitty school, they probably shit electives, you know? Oh yeah. Which is the only shit that would actually have practical application outside of curriculum standard. Yeah. Um, and like what you know, you take auto shop or some shit, you know, like yeah, it's like what what, am I, what the fuck am I gonna do with uh, communications? You know, it's like so, the the only ones the only ones that would have any practical applications is auto shop or uh, crafts or whatever they called it back in high school. But um, even then, like auto shop, you really are not gonna get a job unless you're one related to somebody who owns a garage. Two, absolutely own your own tools. Three, and or you're an ASC certified technician. Like, if you don't have that patch, most garages won't even read your application. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You can't, you can't do, you know, high school is not vocational school. No. So you're not going to be able to graduate out of high school and have that kind of work. I'm just saying like a little bit of baseline anything from high school. That's about the best you're going to do. Yeah, like welding. Or fucking auto shop, something shit like that. Yeah, yeah. shop, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's about the only practical stuff. But no, you're not prepared for actual, you know, you have to go through like an apprenticeship to actually get a job doing that type of shit. So it, it does really give you an idea of the kind of hopelessness he must have been feeling. Very much so. And then, of course, you know, if he's got a head in his book bag, if nobody knows about it, you know he wrapped that head in like at least three grocery bags before he packed it into his book bag. Maybe even a t-shirt. It, maybe even a t-shirt too to help hide the smell. That's what I'm saying. He he might even found a Ziploc or a full-on trash bag. Yeah, that too. That too. Not saying I know how to dispose of heads. I'm just saying. It's kind of what it sounds like. Well, I'm saying, uh, yeah, Mr. Johnson. Uh... That that kind of got off the rails a little bit. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Um, I still have no fucking idea who Dewey Boone is. Neither do I. I googled it in preparation for this episode. Still don't have a goddamn idea. So I'm gonna implore any of our listeners: you have any fucking idea who Dewey Boone is? Send us an email: insaneclownpodcastshow at gmail dot com. Yes, please. Please tell us, let us know if you have any idea. For now, we're filing that under Insane Clown Mysteries, along with why Jay pronounces it psychopathic. Yes, yes, we need these questions answered. The world must know. Uh, last note I had about Mr. Johnson's head, long outro. Yes. It could have got cut. It really could have. Because it just goes on and on and on. Like, everything when he's actually doing a rap, solid. But yes. just the intro kind of drags on doing this organ part, and it's just, like, not necessary. No. I think Mikey Clark was uh, rather proud of the work he did on that track. I mean, they did remake it a few years later. So, and he, like, literally sampled that same song. But, you know... It's really not that it, it's like, yes, when it morphs into the organ part, that's really cool. It could have been cut at least by a couple minutes on each side. Yeah, there definitely could have been a little bit of 
some fat trimmed on that one, but you know, it's it's a good it's a good song. Yes. It's a fucking good song. Southwest song. Starts with a Mr. Roger sample of all things. Which is very interesting. Also I like how they play with the the pitch control on the, the sample so yeah. that it kind of gets warped. It makes it sound really cool and creepy. Yeah. Once in a while we do. This is uh this is also one of the uh better written songs on the album, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know if I got that from it. I mean I not- found it to be like maybe at best the like a, uh, a day in the life narrative type of thing, but yeah, it was a little more all over the place than that. It was. It was, but I think a lot of the I think a lot of the pictures that it paints, even if it's like really quick. I think they're really good. Like it, it goes back into that redundancy. Like I steal a car, park the car, and I park the car, and I steal it again because I really don't know what's happening. Yeah, I actually made a note about that. Uh, I said that line is both hilarious and sad. Yes, I mean it's 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 like something you can see. Yeah, if you've if you've been in an urban environment for a long enough period of time it's it's definitely something you can envision it's some it's something you more than likely have seen as well right yeah yeah just that type of person even if you haven't seen that exact thing you know um when a joker's card that's fucking prosthetic yes and also very sad i think i kind of took that line more from the 2021 lens and saw it as like a holy shit he predicted this fucking career of theirs yeah possibly you know what i mean like like the he knew the joker's cards was the thing you know so like once we're not putting them out anymore then fucking working the road is fuck it it, it got me you know what i mean yeah that's yeah. kind of what i took from it it was more like a like a wherever i may roam type of thing yeah I can see that. Like, we're going to be doing this grind. You know what I mean? And once we stop, you know that something's wrong. Exactly. I was more of a, like, yep, once once it's done, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> also, this I'm, song is, uh, the song goes really good with the beat from Southwest Voodoo, if you've ever heard that. I, th- I think I have. That was on, like, the murder mix or something, right? Yep, it was on the second one, I believe. Okay, for sure. I really like, uh, <laughs> I'm not a very funny clown, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit's great. Um, get off me, dog. Okay. This is the first song to especially not do that thing that you had the complaint about when it came to uh, Mr. Johnson's head. It's the first song to not wear out its welcome. It knows what it is. One oh, verse. No, it's perfect. Chorus is out. Done. I only have two notes about this, and I think it really sums it up. All right. Shaggy's got great flow. Yes. Note two. The booty hole bug. And when it's cold out, my nutsack shrivels. It crawls up my booty hole warm and snug. It gets chased out by the booty hole bug. (laughs) (laughs) 
we're not going to skip past that one. <laughs> no, we're what not. What the fuck was living in Shaggy's ass in 92? <laughs> Oh, we're, we, we've got more songs that have to do with bugs and orifices filled with, you know, shit. Right. But what there is not, there is no other song that addresses uh, a bug inside Shaggy's asshole. Yeah. So, and, and also one that has the ability to chase out balls. <laughs> it sounded like whatever the bug was living in Shaggy's ass at the time had like squatters rights or something. <laughs> <laughs> he like crawled in one time he's like it's my place now <laughs> no I'm not leaving I'll duck the turds I don't give a shit <laughs> balls are trying to evict him he's like hey hey I live here <laughs> fuck out of here <laughs> someone's here <laughs> this is the first time we hear about Shaggy's droopy balls that were trying to get the booty hole bug out you you can't take my shit out of here. It's not even mine. <laughs> and this song is also very rambly. It is. It's very rambly. But it's a fun one. It's a really fun one. It, it is a fun one. It is a fun song. And especially with a title like that, you know it's a shaggy song. Because... Only he could not only come up with a title like that, but it obviously sounds like it was yelled because it has the exclamation mark at the end of it. Right. (laughs) So, you know, it's a shaggy song. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't have fucker off in the title, but well, it does have off. It has off. Yes. Oh, my God. Shaggy. I know he's listening. Shaggy, unfuck the fucking fuck off, motherfucker. Please do get the fuck off me, dog. (laughs) Yes, we need a sequel. We need a sequel. I just want to hear get the fuck off me, dog. (laughs) Now, for another fun one, who asked you? Intro. Amazing. Yes. Boat sex, hot and horny. And that's just par for the course. <laughs> that's just par for the course. Um, the rhyme is all over the place, but but it's in a very fun and enjoyable way. So it like fits what they're doing with the track. Yeah. And and really it's like the first time you hear it, like every single couplet is gonna make you do an aside. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, there's a lot of shit going on in this one. But it's it's fun. It's, yes. it's another fun song. Like this is a good back to back of like fun songs to kind of break up what otherwise is a very somber album. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since it's like it's this song is the second to last on side A. Yeah, exactly. So it's good that they have you know, this is when they're really finding their groove with comic relief yeah. to balance out their albums. Which is really important for the evolution of what they do and, and like really who they become beyond even their music, you know? Very much so, yes. And more great scratching here by Shaggy. Yes. He's he's he is really uh great on the on the ones and twos. He really is. He really is. I gotta give him credit, obviously, DJ Sugarstack. I am a DJ. Uh, so I give him a lot of fucking credit for really knocking it out the park on the ones and twos. Definitely. 
And the beat on this is fucking lit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very, very like uh very high tempo. Very and, and very bouncy. And the like the the melody with the it sounds like a phone. Yeah. Being dialed. That's per do 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 it's it's like and the way they kind of um sync up their vocal delivery with that melody, they're really finding their groove with how to make their songs work. Yes. I think it's highly possible that what happened is that here, Mikey Clark actually became more of a producer and not just like the guy making the beat. Yeah, not just the beat maker. Right. He's actually like, hey, try saying it this way or, you know, yeah. you know, do this part like this, you know, and uh, I think having that input as an actual producer really strengthens what they're doing here. Chewing on toes and fucking dead hoes. Leave it in. It fits the song. It fits the song. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Mikey Clark would ever have any contributions lyrically, but I think he definitely could add a lot to like how things can sound the best, you know? Yes, which is kind of what I think he did on Malenko, at least when they were trying to put that out for Hollywood Records and they kept complaining. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's really, I, I gotta say, I'm sure that he really cut his teeth g- becoming a like a legit fucking music producer. Yeah. Working with ICP. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's it's clear throughout the entire journey of their albums especially with him at the helm the growth because every album is 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 strides yeah from the last one yeah he he kind of you know he was kind of the one that helped set the audible tone of the entirety of what would be their sound for a large amount of time yeah and even to this day because when they work with him now it's a big deal yeah yeah Especially since, uh, you know, they were saying like they wanted to work with him at one point in time, but he was going through his own shit and he was like, you know, I'm sorry, my heart's not in it. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to beg him? Are we going to, you know, offer to pay? It's like his heart's not in it. So he's not going to bring his A game. And that's, that's really noble of him to do, to be able to step away. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of people who would take a check, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Knowing that they wouldn't be able to deliver. Yeah. Um. So the dead one. I've only got one note here. All right. And I'll read it exactly as I wrote it. Okay. This could have been edited some. I get what they were going for, and I do dig it. You just don't need three and a half minutes of it. Yes, it does. It is a song that outlasts its welcome. Because there's nothing new happening at a certain point. No. It's telling a story, but in a very unconventional way. Like, it starts with a barely audible skit. Like, you can hear just enough to kind of get what's going on. You know? And then it cuts to the point of view who is obviously the one who got shot. Very unconventional verse format. Very short. And then it's the same thing as Mr. Johnson's head. Just too much beat without anything happening for a long time. Yes. And it's all it's all very calm. It's all very somber. And then all of a sudden you hear, You're dead, bitch! Ah! 
Some more shaggy screaming. Some more shaggy screaming. That, that was uh that was you, the original alternate title for the insane clown posse. Shaggy screaming. You can't you can't end side A because this is the end of side A. You cannot end side A without Shaggy screaming. It just wouldn't be Ringmaster without Shaggy str- screaming. Exactly, especially if Shaggy screaming literally startles the fuck out of you. Like it did every time I played this album when I was a kid. <laughs> Especially if you were starting to fall asleep because the beat like, is so m- fucking low. Right? Like I used to put the, I had one of those fucking five CD changers in my room. Yeah. And I used to put like just Carnival of Carnage, Ringmaster, Riddlebox, Malenko, Jekyll Brothers. And then like I would let them play through just like when I got home and, and like until I woke up. Yeah, and so like <laughs> there was several times when I would have Ringmaster on at, a, at an appropriate volume for the song, and I'm like, you know, knocking out or whatever, and then you're dead, bitch, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> yep. All right, short song now. First track aside, B, My Fun House. Starts with a skit of a police officer molesting a woman to calm her down. Well, have you tried fondling her breasts? Well, no. No, I haven't. Um, give it a try. There, there, miss. Does this make you feel any better? Yeah. Well, okay. I, I love this track. This is, this is pretty much perfection. From ICP, the beats fire concept is fantastic, and it fits exactly what they are doing. Yes, there was a lyric about the hills that is a bit outdated. I want to say, yeah, um, we're gonna encounter this a bit, especially on these older releases. Yeah, yeah, early nineties. Yeah, where it doesn't excuse any certain language, but it's really. A matter of social climate at the time and being able to contextualize, um, you know, a 29-year-old album. Yeah. But, however, my favorite lyric is, it's the funhouse, fun bitch. bitch everything's funny. Yeah, like whipping on your ass ain't funny. And at this part of the song, it's obvious that the dude is dead because he had a large nail go through his eye and to the back of his head is and he James dead pissed that he's no. not laughing <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he's dead nah he ain't dead keep fucking killing him <laughs> keep fucking killing him till he laughs and then kill him <laughs> you, you got any more notes for this one uh the funhouse imagery is really fantastic in juxtaposition with the horror aspect. Yeah. Just, um, again, it's not terribly dissimilar from the wax museum, but just, you know, really building on the carnival idea. My fun house is a lot more aggressive. The wax museum is a little bit more passive outside of violent J talking about how he's going to swing right into your nug while Shaggy screams his lungs out in the background. Yeah, and like I mean, it's it's made pretty clear that if you stumble upon this carnival, don't fucking go. Pretty much. Just say no, man. Just say no. Although it's also pretty clear that if you go to this like 
you get invited to this carnival. You don't find it by chance. Yeah. It finds you, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, like, I don't think I don't think a lot of bystanders happen upon the carnival. I think it's very purposeful. De- kind of debatable, but for the most part, yes. Well, I think there's targeted areas. Yes. They go to. But it's it's pretty clear what's going on here. This is the fun house. But I, I, I love the way that they really are fleshing out the idea of like the parallels okay what what is what are these attractions like if it's this fucking demented carnival about you know bringing justice you know what i mean yeah and as far as far as i know correct me if i'm wrong uh but as far as i know they're still calling it the carnival of carnage they're not calling it the dark carnival yet no i think that it's still you know i think it's still early on yeah, they're working out everything. It's it's kind of interesting to be able to look at it from that perspective and see how they're developing this idea. You know? Yes. Um, you got any other notes on this? Nope, that was it. For the maggots, another short one verse song knows what it is, doesn't outstay its welcome. Felt yeah. a bit incomplete, honestly. I think there could have been, this still had a little gas to it, but I do think this is an, a very well done fuck you song. Yes. And I think the, the short and sweet is good for a fuck you song. Cause sometimes you don't need a whole three minutes of fuck you. Yeah. There's only one fuck the world. Right. Exactly. And that, and at that point you can't really outdo that. So uh, yeah, short, but good stuff. Yeah. And then, like, an absolute fucking classic of a classic. Wagon Wagon. Oh, this is personally, this is personally, if not my favorite track from this album, one of my favorite tracks from this album. Actually, no, it is one of my favorite tracks from this album. The other one is the next one after this. But let's talk about Wagon Wagon. Absolutely. Love Wagon Wagon. Um, I, when I was a kid... I used to picture this more of like a bus or something, you know, but now listening back to it as an adult, this is the fucking stuff of nightmares. <laughs> it's an old work van <laughs> with clowns in it who murder people <laughs> and put them in the wagon or drag them from the wagon. That's what I'm saying. That is, <laughs> it's a work van. <laughs> It it can't not be a work van <laughs> with with whited out windows. <laughs> I'm I'm also I'm also glad that uh, they went with this song instead of Clown Love or as it used to be known, Hey Vato. Yeah, agreed. This is absolutely the winner between those two. So much better. So much better. <laughs> but yeah, um. We don't do drive-bys. Drive-bys in the wagon. Instead, we just get out and stab your fucking ass. <laughs> beautiful. Just beautiful songwriting. It's perfect. No, it's it's great for what it is because, like, this song, the beat is, like, killer. And Jay's really nailing how to balance. They're, like, they're really learning here on this album how to balance comic relief with like horror murder yeah 
because that's really I think to me that's really why the insane clown posse excelled above anybody else in that space is because of that balance. Yes. Yes. It wasn't it wasn't taken too seriously despite the fact that it was absolute nightmare fuel. Oh yeah, at no doubt. Cause like if you really if really listen to what they're saying, it is terrifying shit. Ah boom We do the dance of death until you get into the car. You you need to imagine the insane clown posse. By the way, this is one of the only times you hear them refer to themselves on tape as the insane clown posse. It's the insane clown posse coming through. In order to hear that lyric, you have to imagine them in a truck, f- like near a work van full of dead bodies doing the dance of death, whatever that means, to lure you into the wagon. <laughs> I'm not sure what the dance of death is. Neither am I, but I'm sure it's either hilarious or insanely scary. I'm going to guess it's probably the second. All right. The all right. of the two. Final, get in the car. Just fucking stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing it's maybe not a dance as much as it is um, a performance. A la like those two man teams that mug you on the street. Yeah. Or they don't mug you, they steal your shit without you noticing. Yeah. That type of deal. One person distracts you, the other person's right behind you, stabbing you in the heart from behind. Right? No, it's like it's like somebody near a hall uh like a fucking alleyway is like, Help, help me please. And then like somebody goes down there and then like eight clowns jump out and fucking kick the shit out of them and put them into a work van (laughs) full of dead bodies yeah (laughs) that is the stuff of nightmares it fucking is it is (laughs) that's what i kept thinking when i like was listening to this because i used to i like remember being a kid and just like kind of like nodding my head to the song and be like fuck yeah icp and i was listening to it you know in preparation for this and i was like oh my god <laughs> this is horrific <laughs> but it's got a sick beat though it's got a really sick beat it's got a really sick beat great production catchy chorus fucking i had written a parody of the chorus just that it has to do with like the internet and it was just really bad but i did it because i was bored it's like lagging lagging the internet is dragging everybody on the block's pissed because the net is lagging (laughs) don't clap that don't clap that (laughs) why would you clap that it's awful (laughs) you had the bravery to perform it I only performed one part. I got to find the rest you, of it. You get a C minus for effort. Okay, thank you. I'll take it. This is one of the only times uh, the clowns shout out another musician. Yeah. Chris Conley. I can freak the cello like Chris Conley on bass. And I didn't know who that was, so I Googled it. Turns out he actually is a really bass dope, uh, really dope bass player. A really bass dope player, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he plays dope with a bass. Sweet. He played bass for dope. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he didn't play bass for a drug or for the band Dope. He did play for Ministry, and he had some solo stuff, and it was cool. I checked it out. You guys should, too. It was dope, so that was cool. They shouted him out. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then, uh, you know, I think another one of their extremely compelling narratives is the loons. Oh, man. This is one of the very better written songs on this album. Which I, I got to say real quick, the title is bizarre. Yes. Because I know it's in the song, but of all the things that, that, that are in that song, there, there seems to be one that would be a much better title. Neck cutter. Yes. E- yes. <laughs> but, however, I don't think Jive, at least when they, were, um, when they were negotiating their contract with Jive, and there was a possibility of that. It was probably happening at the same time that they were writing Ringmaster. So they probably didn't want to put that as the title of the song. Just how, like, you know, instead of Bugs on My Nuts, it's called Bugs on My Nugs. And how the the song after this is called Love Song, despite the absence of any love in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think... I'm, I'm sorry, but... But there is the word love in the next song. <laughs> but we're you're getting ahead of yourself, Dingo. Anyway, anyway, the loons. I love the loons. One of the better written songs. And every time the chorus plays, it's counting down. That is one of the things that I really love about this song is that the narrative is always forwarding. Yes. I think it's gotta be one of the most compelling narratives and story songs that they've ever done it has my favorite at least one of my favorite group of couplets that violent j ever wrote when it's everywhere i go the grim reaper stays on me because the fucking knows i'm always leaving dead bodies i can see him standing at the end of a block because somebody's clock is running out of tack slip through the cracks in the walls of the eve all is justified as every punishment received really great job on his part Definitely. My only criticism of this song at all is that the significance of the target is never explained. Yes. Because that would just make it a complete narrative in my mind. That's the only thing that's making it lack in any way. There are some clues that, like, this is either a random target or, like, somebody Violent J bumped into and started stalking. At one point in time. I Yeah, there maybe is some breadcrumbs, but there's... You know, the Insane Clown Posse are not known for subtlety. No, not at all. So, I think there could have been just a line that could have really helped contextualize everything. Because if it was random, then you can easily explain that away. You know, I, I opened a phone book and this number I picked. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. But if it's somebody that hap- if the, if something happened, then that can be explained too. So that's my only criticism. But to balance that out a bit, I do think that the ending does a pretty good job of making it not quite as relevant that the target isn't explained, like the significance isn't explained. Yeah, the old ends justify the means argument. You know. Yeah. It's- yeah. I mean, at the end, at the end, he's just muttering to himself walking up to the stairs and then the door opens and you get shot to death. Yep. Which is a fitting ending. It's the, it's the classic, um, you know, EC comics tales from the crypt. Yeah. Ending, which is, which is really fitting. I think of all, for all the stuff that they do and as fantastical as it is, I think, you know, uh, uh, a come up and sir, just desserts is really has to be included. Yes. Which usually happens 
at least later on down the line, would happen at the end of the album. Yeah, yeah, it it, it comes up more, but it it it's a necessity. Yes, yes, very much so. Other, you can't go fucking Jason Voorhees victims. And, and nothing ever happens. Yeah. Especially like, when you are a human person who believes in an, in an invisible evil carnival. Right. When you're yeah, living being, in being a, a clown only buys you so much. You live in a dumpster with a dead body. You are a crazy person. Right. You never claim to be supernatural. Maybe you claimed voodoo, but that doesn't explain everything. Yes. So um, the loons, great stuff. Excellent, excellent stuff. Love song, not as great stuff. Uh, uh, rap into a hairy, ugly chick who looks like a chicken with a hunchback. I think it's hilarious. Other than the hitting women shit, not no. Yeah, no. Do not like that. No, that's that's not cool, Violent J. Nope we we do not sign off on that here at the Insane Clown Podcast. Absolutely not. That's not something either of us are uh okay with uh we're not gonna condone that or anything like that but that's we're not here to focus on that shit (laughs) yeah we're the insane clown podcast not the anti-domestic abuse podcast that's for the halls of illusions episode yeah we're not the insane cancel podcast (laughs) (laughs) i do think Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Because that just sounds like a horrible podcast. Oh, I hope that never happens. I would not listen. <laughs> okay, here's and who's be- canceled this week. And it's hosted by the Insane Cancel Posse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds so horrible. <laughs> Fuck those guys. <laughs> Stop giving people ideas, Zach. <laughs> but I do think Love Song is a good parody of a love song. Um, especially of that era, like late eighties, early nineties. Especially with the uh, the skit that went into it, right at the end of the loons, where like it really had that feel of the era, where they were hamming it up so much, and like the the cheesy disc jockey. Yep. That every every fucking market has one of them every every late night market you know i uh there was a smooth jazz station where we live i don't think it's around anymore but it used to be like you know you turn that on at at like my my buddies and i would put that on when it was the end of the night we were done smoking blunts damn it'd be like cruising home music you know what i mean yeah i got you that's i'm like get the fuck out of my car music (laughs) all right man time to Time to fucking go. I gotta go home. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck. Man, <laughs> hey, can you turn off of here? Can you turn can you turn the station? Can you get the fuck out of my car? You, you pay up for that fucking weed you smoked, homeboy. <laughs> All right. There's there's a pair of couplets I really want to talk about on this song. All right. Let's make love, my sweet sweet little dove. I wouldn't get near that netting without a glove. Cause it's rats and spiders up in there. Hitting that'll take the curl out your nut hairs. Jay, that's that's not what venereal disease is. This is probably why you should have been in high school a little bit longer to get some sex education. Well, to be fair, we don't know what the uh, the health education is like in Michigan. 
Yeah, I mean, shit, fucking Shaggy was singing about booty hole bugs before, and now it's rats and spiders up of vaginas. I just thought about something. What's that? Is the booty hole bug... Okay, hold on a second. You see Clerks 2? Yes. Do you remember the scene about the troll? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Like, why haven't you fucked Myra yet? Well, we can't because of pillow pants. The fuck's pillow pants? Pillow pants is a little troll who lives in her pussy. Pillow pants is her pussy troll? <laughs> Duh. You know how every girl's parents put a pussy troll in them? when the girls are young to keep them from having premarital sex. Is the booty hole bug related to the troll? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would, that would assume that the Utzlers had a very, very extreme Christian upbringing. Well, maybe not Christian. Let's just say maybe just like some weird shit. Hmm. So is there a booty hole bug that's somehow related to the fucking... <laughs> All right. Now, remember, you can't be gay because uh, the booty you hole bug... Booty hole bug. <laughs> the booty hole bug will take off anything that comes in and not out. <laughs> which is Which explains why his nuts cannot keep going into his butt. I think we got something here. We figured it out. Dingo, we're doing science on a podcast. (laughs) We cracked the code. We cracked the fucking code. Oh, my God. And then, of course, of course, it's not Ringmaster without Shaggy screaming at the top of his lungs. Oh, of course. And, And then coughing at one point in time because he spent the entirety of the album screaming at the top of his lungs. I like the idea that maybe like Jay's egging him on in the studio. He's like, he's like, yeah, that was good, but can you scream a little louder? <laughs> and Shaggy's like, get that bitch. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Can you really hit it a bit harder? <laughs> get really into the microphone. Yeah, explore the space a bit. <laughs> Use no. use the studio as an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a good impression, by the way. Oh my god my my wife's probably gonna come in here in a minute and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> be like, and I'll have to be like, "Look." I'm going to play you this love song. It's fantastic. It'll smooth everything over. (laughs) That do anything? Now, question. I believe I might have a bug somewhere. (laughs) Can you take a look for me? Oh, yeah. Subject change. Next song. Next song. (laughs) Can you, can you have the troll come take a look for me? (laughs) <laughs> All right. Speaking, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Speaking um, of uh, speaking of <laughs> testicular bugs, bugs on my nuts. Violet J staying so so true to the character built on psychopathic here, or yeah. psychopathic, I should say. 
Quote, well, I'm violent, Jay. End quote. I mean, he had the song with two lines about scratching his nuts, and then next album, I'm going to tell you when my nuts itch. He's yeah, got to bring it up. I think, you know what? From here on out, we're going to keep a, a counter. Every time Jay mentions scratching his nuts. <laughs> Every time he mentions scratch. Anytime he mentions scratching his balls, we got to put a counter somewhere. Bing three. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, honestly, though, this is a song on why you need to wear a glove if you fuck the kind of bitches that Violent Jay does. I mean, look. <laughs> <laughs> I might be speculating a bit here, but I can only assume that dirty butts might have a goddamn bug in them. That's all I'm saying. We don't know. We don't know. We, we've never banged bitches in Detroit. I don't fuck dirty butts. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you are missing out if you haven't done it at least once. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm not really trying to get it. <laughs> My sexual history here. <laughs> this isn't a job interview. <laughs> Do you have any more notes about the song? <laughs> Because I do not. I just have I one. Do. Go I do. I do. Um, I wrote here without any other context. STIs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I think that speaks for itself. And then the only other thing I have here, back in the day, fantastic. Oh yeah, in a couple years ago, I fucked your sister at your birthday party. <laughs> Just after this whole thing. Oh yeah, in a couple years ago, I fucked your sister at your birthday party. <laughs> I had I had bugs. <laughs> By the way, playing dodgeball, trading GI Joes. Typical kid shit is shooting dice. Typical kid shit in fucking Southwest Detroit. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's weird to have that included. Yeah, like playing kickball <laughs> and coloring <laughs> and smoking cigarettes. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Drinking chocolate milk and playing hopscotch. <laughs> And betting on horse races. What? <laughs> yeah. Eating lunch. Playing on the playground. Selling dope. Wait, that that is something that probably did happen. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm thinking of that like fucking uh, Chappelle show sketch with the Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's Dangle. And hey, you're Chris Rock. Stay still, but close enough. Where are you guys going? Well, Dangle's not feeling well, so I'm taking him to the doctor. What's wrong, Dangle? Actually, it's my penis. What's that? <laughs> when I pee pee, it burns like hell. I have what's known as a venereal disease. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. 
All right. <laughs> All right. Two more tracks. House of Mirrors. All right. Top-notch production. Hooks are killer, pun intended. Takes place during the actual carnival. That's what I'm saying. I like the concept. It's 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 a good concept and it's pretty well executed. Except holy fuck points off for that feature cuz it is rough whoever the fuck that is. That was capital E. He was last heard on the song Taste. Uh <laughs> lowercase e. I think actually that makes sense. Capital E, that's like an E plus which is one less than an F, so that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and evidently his career wasn't very long. Like, he had one two-track single out for a bit. Oh, for fuck's sake, why? And then, like, after that, he kind of left. He, like, bought a record store, and he just went to that side of the music industry. And, like, the Insane Clown Posse just didn't ever talk to him again. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably a better fit for him, because in front of a microphone, mm mm-mm. Yeah, no. That's like I said, E, yeah, one less than F. <laughs> bad. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> that was my only note on that one. Now, I, I got to say, I really hope they didn't fucking pay that guy for that. It, they probably did. Oh. Or, or like they, he probably like, like they probably owed him a favor or something. They 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 heard the verse and Jay's like, hey, uh, yo, Joey, uh, come over here for a second. We need to have a little business meeting. Yo, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and they're like, yo, so uh, E, this is a joke, right? And he's like, nah, man. <laughs> House of Mirrors. <laughs> yeah, I remember you guys don't cut anything. that's right that's right so i just wrote and wrote and wrote and i recorded um but where i go it costs six hundred dollars to go for an hour (laughs) so that'll be one thousand dollars i remember you guys paid that other guy six thousand right so i'm charging you only one sixth of that for my verse And you're not going to cut it, right? They're like, nope. <laughs> Fucking, uh, I loved, uh, I loved the ending where they actually shout out the wax museum and the murder go round, and then <laughs> the bearded man jumps steady, <laughs> and it fades out right before you hear the phrase "Carnival of Carnage." Like yeah, you could, I mean, you could tell that you could tell the phrase "Carnival of Carnage" is about to happen, and it fades right out before you're able to actually hear those three words, like clearly. I think it's good stuff. Yeah, I like that one. I think it's it's really good. Just uh, skip that feature. <laughs> yeah, they should. You know, I, 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 you know, maybe I'll do an edit where I just take that part out. <laughs> Not needed. Get out of here. Yeah, it's uh, that's, that part is trash. <laughs> it really, it's re- it's like it's like picture the song is like a loaf of bread that's been sliced, and his verse is a slice that's got mold on it. Yeah, if you don't take that fucking moldy slice out, the rest of that bread is fucking done. Yeah, 
So, yeah, just cut that shit right out. And man, that's a banger. (laughs) (coughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then we're on to the last one, which is Beyond Bizarre, Ringmaster's Word. And uh, it was obviously made to make sure that sides A and B were even. Well, it's it's odd because it definitely fits that instrumental that kind of drives the theme of the album. Yes. But having it be the closer is bizarre. Well, it's it's kind of like <clears throat> it's kind of like they had two instrumental beats that they wanted to come up with, but they didn't know which one to pick. So they put one at the beginning and one at the end. Yeah, that makes sense. I was thinking about it. If and I know this is gonna be putting you on the spot. All right. Right? But if you reordered the album, what what would you put as the closer? And I know what I would pick, but I'll let you go first. Personally, I would have put the loons as the closer. That is also what I picked. Yes. I think that would have been the best potential closer for the album. Yes. I think I think the loons is the song that I would put as the closer. Because I think everything else this one I think really could be reordered and it would probably hit better as an album on the whole. Yes. And th- like not even whatever about capital E's verse or whatever, forget that just reordering the tracks that are there. Yeah. I think not having it try to conform to cassette standards of a side B side and fucking with all that shit. It's interesting in concept, the whole heckles and macabre thing, but it's just, it, it hasn't withstood the test of time. Yeah, clearly. Exactly. Well, you know, the majority of their target base at that time probably did not afford, you know, CD stereos. You know what I'm saying? They were still kind of expensive even back in 1993. So a lot of them had tapes. Yeah, yeah. But still, I think even hypothetically reordering then with that idea of an A-side, B-side... It would. It, I still put Loons as the B side closer, and keep the Dead One as the A side closer. At least that's maybe, what I would do. That's what maybe. I would do. I don't know. You know what? I think we've got enough of an idea to maybe explore in a whole episode. Possibly, yeah, yeah. That make that make for uh, that makes for a good idea. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll let that ruminate. While we uh, plan up our next couple episodes, I drew up a plan for a couple things that we'll go over, Dingo, but I don't want to spill the beans here on the show. Oh, I wanted to get back to Ringmaster's Word for a real quick. Um, Yeah, yeah, please. I was done with my notes, so you go on ahead. uh, Where the hell is the sample from? I have no fucking idea, to be honest with you. And you know what? Thinking about it, thinking about it, I think Ringmaster's Word would probably work as the first song on Side B. I think that would be a good Side B opener. Yeah. Especially to balance out Wax Museum as the Side A opener. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it's odd that they sequenced Carnival of Carnage the way they did, and then they went back to that format kind of with Riddlebox and definitely with Malenko and beyond. Yes. Yes. And I mean, people still were buying tapes, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the Mortal Kombat franchise, you know, they stopped making arcade games 
when people stopped playing the Mortal Kombat games, mostly at the arcade. So, you know, they really started to sequence their stuff to more optical media when people stopped using tapes. You know, with people still using tapes, they got to, you know, they got to balance the track list. They got to not just worry about the overall, uh, the overall ordering of the tracks. They got to figure out how they're going to order side A and then side B. No matter how, no matter what, how you listen to it on the CD is still going to be, you know, just one continuous playlist. But, right. Well, sequencing is important regardless of the medium. Yes. And, you know, they're, you know, in one way or another, they're trying to tell a story, you know, so it's, Im- it's important in telling that story, even if it's a song about venereal diseases involving spiders and bugs, you know, to tell that story through every other way they can besides just the songs. Yeah, no, and it all fits. And that's another thing that they've always been great at is like the packaging and having that shit like that written in the booklets. And especially at that time with the first six, yeah, the, the lineup with the question marks. How yes. fucking awesome was that? Oh, it was like, I just remember looking at Malenko and just wondering, what the fuck are they going to finish with? Right? Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to continue these deep dives into these albums. I've been really enjoying listening back to them and being a more critical listener. Yes, being same. able to like understand things through a you know an adult lens. Yeah, because when I really consumed this music hard was when I was you know a teenager and younger, and you, you know you understand the world differently at that time. Yes. Yes. A lot more naive. <clears throat> right. Still, right. still so learning. It's fun and it takes me back, but also it's it's really interesting to re-listen with uh, different ears. Yes. Yes, I agree. So, I've, I've, I've been enjoying this too because it's like I've re-listened to these songs like on and off outside of the context of where they belong on a specific album, but it's like listening to them as a collective it feels like one solid work you know definitely definitely no and especially when you hear later on the stuff that got dropped or omitted um it does make sense why it got dropped when put yeah into no the context. and it's it it the album is the best because of the way it is yes but i do think it could be interesting to hear a reordering but um dingo we got to bounce out of here, man. Yeah, yeah, it's about that time. So uh, real quick, I'll do the annoying shit. Please uh, give us a review on whatever app you listen to us on. Give us five stars. Uh, tell us tell us who Dewey Boone is. Yes, please. If you don't know the real answer, make one up. We'll read all the answers. And we'll we'll pick whichever one is the best or funniest, and that'll be the answer we go with. Absolutely, and we will reference it all the time. It will be the story of Dewey Boone. Yes. And we need our listeners to help us tell it. So leave us a five-star review, whatever app you listen to uh, the Insane Clown podcast on, and let us know who Dewey Boone is. Tell us the story as you would like to tell it. 
Um, or you can email us insane clown posse. It can insane clown posse. Nope. Don't don't email them. They will not they they will not be forwarding it to us. <laughs> it will go directly to the outbox. That's <laughs> trash. Um so insane clown podcast show at gmail.com and uh email us something nice. Don't send us pictures. We don't want them. Um no. Or, no. absolutely not. Or tweet us at insane clown C L W N podcast P D C S T on Twitter. That's where we're at. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. He's Dropkick Dingo. And he's DJ Sugarsack. And this is the Insane Clown Podcast. And we out. Peace. <laughs>